Hello there, Thunder Buddies. It's us. Stays. Oh, that no. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> that, that, I, I, that was a very strange one. The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course, our forums. Let's start the show. Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I am your host, your horologist upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as I am on every episode, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how does this evening find you? Did you just say horologist? Yes. What the fuck is a horologist? As somebody who works with clocks. Ah, um, I was only thinking of it because I was I was talking to an English friend of mine uh, not too long ago and trying to explain the Late Late Toy Show to him. Oh, him. Young Joe, was it? Uh, John Joe, John yeah. John Joe, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, see, the, I thought the, you were say, you're, you're Geraldo, and I was like, what the fuck has Geraldo got to do with this? <laughs> the Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> Geraldo <laughs> Rivera of Days of Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that, you know, uh, lockdown has gone on so long now, I've grown a big bushy moustache. I haven't. <laughs> Uh, I I did think about it. I was like, when because I I shaved my hair not long like not long after I got back but before lockdown started, and I've let my hair grow out completely since then. And I had thought about doing the same with my facial hair, but then I was like, no, I'm just gonna look like a fucking crazy person. Like I already kind of do with the hair, but uh, yeah, I did I didn't want but like the effect of both happening at the same time uh would have been I think troubling for people to watch. It would have looked like I was you know having a midlife crisis or something <laughs> long facial hair always seems like such a lot of effort to me yeah yeah i've only like i've never really it's one of those things i keep threatening to do but i never really do <laughs> it just seems like a lot more work than i'm willing to put in and especially at this time of year as well where it's kind of yeah, humid and, and sticky and, sticky and it's like nah it's just as uh, easy just to have a shave and fucking shave it off <laughs> yeah Pretty much. Uh, what have you been up to, pal? Uh, obviously not being out and about because, you know, the, the world ended and stuff like that. But, yeah, uh, it, it's been like, what, did we record two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago. Two weeks it? ago, yeah. We're back on our, our, our bi-weekly schedule here. Which seems like a yeah. long time. <laughs> it does, like, because we've been doing, so like since the start of March, we've been doing weekly shows. I think I got I got uh, so ta- so used to talking to you like every other day. <laughs> It felt yeah. like yeah. that now like I'm like was it two weeks it was two weeks ago wasn't 
Yeah. And the fact that two of us as well are kind of like, we're, we're taking a bit of a backseat on, on Twitter more mm. than we usually would. We're kind of like trying to curb our habits so we're not on the screens all day long. And like, as well as talking all the time on Skype when we're doing this show, uh, we, we're also we're kind of like DMing, always DMing and, yeah. and tweeting each other and tagging each other and stuff. So to go from that to like, you know, the occasional DM and then once every two weeks we're, we're doing the show, it feels like, yeah, it feels like I haven't talked to you in fucking ages. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a mini divorce of sorts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who got the thunder in the divorce? Um, I, I was gonna ask you because we kind of uh, didn't uh, mention it on the last couple of shows, but how is your? Um, has there been any progress with the MCU rewatch? Do you know what? There hasn't because I fell out of the habit of watching them. Oh. And you gotta get back on that because I, I think people to. were on tenterhooks because you were getting right towards I was right, I was right towards the end and I stopped yeah see I went through so many of them in like four days <laughs> yeah that then I needed a break and ever since the break I just haven't jumped back in and I think yeah. like football coming back didn't help yeah so and, and the matches being on at all sorts of weird times as well has kind of like gotten rid of a lot of my my regular yeah uh, uh, I ha- at the moment i have no regular schedule yeah and it's kind of it's not that it's killing me in a sense but it's, it's like i'm just getting to stuff like i'm like like for instance we wanted to talk about money playing on this show yeah. i still i still have not watched money playing just because oh. i haven't you know just got around to it like you actually yeah. provided me with a <coughs> link <coughs> <coughs> A purchase. Yes, a purchase link. <laughs> and um, I just haven't got around to it. Yeah. Well, I suppose this is as good a time as any to mention money play and then seeing as you bring it up. But I'm not going to spoil it because as you said, you haven't seen it yet and maybe we'll do a full breakdown of things. But like, that's the best and worst movie I've seen this year. I, I, <laughs> like, sent, I sent my friend a trailer of it and he just texted, yeah. he replied to me, I am not watching that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, it's such a bob and edge. <laughs> it's so much better, and because because it's so much worse than you could possibly imagine, it's just, it's incredible. It's like, I think the only one who's actually trying to act in it is Edge. God bless him. And he's fine. But like, Kelsey Grammer is there just to choose some scenery, and he does a great job with it. And then like, the, the cast of characters around, oh my god, and... I think the thing that really... I, I, bugged... I think Thomas Jane being in it kind of oh. dragged him back in. He's like, oh, maybe I, I will watch this. I didn't know Thomas Jane was in it. Um, I, I didn't recognise him in any clips I'd seen. And then he shows up and I lost my mind. Um, <laughs> I, sh- I should say this friend also then told me that instead of watching Money Playing, I should watch Pentathlon for the podcast. <laughs> now, are you aware of Pen- Pentathlon? No, I'm not. Okay, Pentathlon is a 1994 movie starring right. Dolph Lundgren. Oh dear. And I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. But go watch the trailer on YouTube. I'll actually, I'll send you the, the link. Okay. And my God. I don't know if I want, like you see, I, I've always had a, a high tolerance for, for bad movies. Um, going back to college, we used to have bad movie nights and... I'd be a big fan of How Did This Get Made, which is a movie podcast about like movies that obviously like they're so bad you wonder how they got made. Um so like I love like Birdemic and uh Jim Carter is an all timer for me. Uh, I need to send you the trailer to Jim Carter if you've okay. never heard of Jim Carter before. Heard of it, no. See and I, I watch I, a lot like, of like we said before, like I'm I'm not a big movie person. 
Yeah. So like like stuff like that, like my God, like I watched this pentathlon trailer and I was just blown away that this was actually a movie. <laughs> I've I've sent yeah. I've DM'd it to you by the way. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say Money Plane is one of them as well, Lee, because like there are so many sets. Uh, that scenes are, are 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 in in this movie where it's like, is this just the stage of a community theater with some really bad kind of like, uh, like it's the least, it's it's, how do I describe this? It's the least plain looking plane I've ever seen in my life when they're on the plane. It's like this is definitely not a real plane. This is on some sound stage and it looks shite. And like a lot of planes and movies are on sound stages and they're not really in the air and stuff like that but at least there's some effort they put in to make, to make it look, look like a plane like continue. yeah this nothing like a plane the dimensions of it are fucking ridiculous the things that go on um stuff like there's random sound effects just missing <laughs> like people throw punches and like the noise of the first punch is completely missing um it's uh it's it's fabulously bad it's fabulously bad i i i love it with all my heart but it's it's absolute trash okay i i promise i'm making this promise i will have watched it by our next recording session in two weeks because we have another thunder to go and then the pay-per-view and i don't want it being on the pay-per-view show yeah we yeah we need we need to get to to bait the hook for people to listen to the uh the go home show for uh (laughs) For for war games, for we're gonna get the, the Lee Malone money plane show. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I loved it. It was terrible. Uh, I also, speaking of movie updates, have now finished uh, <gasps> the Fast and Furious oh, saga. Okay. Now I didn't rewatch Hobbs and Shaw because I saw that in the cinema last year, uh, so I felt like I didn't really need to to rewatch that. Um, I had gotten up to was it. I think you were had, had I you had watched five, okay. So yeah, I I had decided five was top, mm-hmm. and I will say five is probably still top now. Yes. Um, six is right up there though, like it's it's really like as a one two punch, five and six is unbelievable. Wow, um, hang on, what six six is? So six has the world's longest runway chase at the end. Oh of it. yes. It's the one where they're fight they're fighting Owen Shaw throughout the, yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. movie, uh, played by your man. Oh, what's his name? That was in the the Hobbit and a bunch of other stuff. English actor. Uh, anyway, they're fighting him, and then it's at the very end that the reveal of uh, Deckard Shaw, played by uh, the legendary Jason Statham, mm-hmm. happens. Um, but yeah, there's this like preposterous. There, there's a plane getting away on a runway, and all the cars are chasing it. And like it's a thing that was a meme when the movie came out. Is like somebody tried to like guess based on the speed oh, the, the cars the, were going, the length of the runway. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. it's something like seventeen miles. It would have to be because they're all going in a straight line the whole time. Uh, and there's some absolutely ridiculous shit. I fucking love six. I thought it was great. I thought seven was a little bit of a dip in form, but still like absolutely outrageously fun. And I think eight. For me, uh, and this was a controversial take with, with my good buddy Jack Lazell, I, I said to him that 8 is probably better than most of the first four, but it's the worst of the new whatever the, the genre batch, you want to call yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I don't know. Like, yeah, there was just like, and they're not exactly logical or sensible movies, but there was just stuff where I felt like it wasn't so much a plot hole as they were just fucking lazy. It was just like, we'll come, like they were doing the first draft of the script and they were like, we'll come back and figure out a better solution to this script problem <laughs> later. And then they just never did. It, seven, seven is the one with the Paul Walker. Um, That's his last one. End yeah. scene, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was so, thinking. So that yeah, that they did that about as well as you could do and you know, there was a lot of nice stuff mm-hmm. in the movie and you know, it just it just wasn't quite cuz 5 and 6 are are just so unbelievably action packed mm-hmm. together. Um but yeah, um 8 is kind of like I'm just like, oh, you know, there's so many occasions in the movie where it's like, I don't know, because hacking, I guess. <laughs> you know seven would be great like seven seven uh goes above eight for for nothing more than like the scene where like uh jason statham just walks into the rocks office and government buildings and just beats the shit out of him at the start like if that was all that was in the movie it would be an excellent movie oh is is seven seven deronda rosie one as well yeah, where I when where they do the the stunts, yeah, uh, where they 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 drive between the buildings, mm-hmm. isn't that that one? Yeah, that 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 stuff's really cool. Ronda Rousey, not very good, not an actress, <laughs> not an actress. I've seen like I I I I've I've seen clips of her in a couple of different things where she's doing the acting thing, and uh, yeah, it's it's not for her. Who who would have uh, guessed that uh, Gina Carano would be the 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 better actress of the MMA? Dude, dude have you ever seen haywire speaking of gina carano no i, I was talking to, to jack about this so gina carano was in an action movie directed by steven soderbergh who's like like you know his his canon of films like it's a real grab bag of he's on a bunch of different shit. he does real arty films and then he does oceans 11 you know which is um, one of my personal favorite movies yeah so like he <laughs> does this movie that haywire is just it's it's a born movie with gina carano in it as as the and, lead, yes, and like it's not, look, it's not going to change your life. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to be like, oh my god, they they've reinvented cinema in this haywire film. But like, it's a fucking like a really underrated action movie that I think I was looking it up, and I think it came out in between a couple of like I think Taken Two came out around the same time, and it kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Okay, um, but I, I really like that movie. Um, I must, and people I should check it up, out. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So that's that's kind of where my my fast furious is. Hobbs and Shaw is it defies description. I don't know where you'd put it in the list because it's not really like it is and it isn't in the Fast and Furious it, universe. It, it, and it's so it's, can, it's canon, but it's not canon canon. <laughs> yeah, it's so like in in I suppose the video game term would be to call it like Fast and Furious Guide N, where it's just like a side story yeah. off the side of the universe. But also, it's so unbelievably silly and beyond the realms of reality that like it. I, I don't know whether to, rate it, <laughs> you whether to rate it higher or lower because of that. Do you know, like Idris Elba gives you some automatic bonus points, but then there's some like, there's some really like, oh my God, mind-numbingly stupid stuff in it. But it was, it was great. I had a fucking blast watching it when I saw it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that's where I am. I, I've I've watched all the Fast Furious now. I'm kind of at a, a loose end now. What what to do next? Uh, all the, all the diehards again. <laughs> okay, that wouldn't take nearly as long, but the drop-off is considerable. Oh, it's off. You know, at least when you're watching the boring Fast and Furious, you're like, well, like it's it's gonna get better. You know, well, I just have to get to five. I just have to get to five. With Die Hard, it's like right one amazing, two am- like you know pretty damn great, three underrated, and then it's just 
Oh, come on. Ooh. Four isn't. <laughs> well, with, with, with Tim Oliphant <laughs> as uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and just, the just, one... Justin Long is four as well, isn't it? Yeah, the one, uh, the one thing that four gave the world, and it's something I, I maybe I'll DM this to you, is the the fantastic story of Kevin Smith, who makes a cameo in that movie uh, yes. as the warlock. Uh, he tells a story that's about twenty minutes long about what it was like to work on the set of Die Hard. And oh, you have to send it to me. It's fucking incredibly funny it's it's really really good so yeah now granted he went on to work with bruce willis in a movie called cop out that kind of ruined his life and made him very bitter about it uh so there's kind of a sad end to that story but the the story of him on the set of die hard fucking brilliant um but anyway look we've we've forestalled long enough you can tell it's one of those thunders that's in between two pay-per-views where there's not a lot of consequential shit happening when we're just doing movie chat for 15 minutes up the top um, and but, boy, if you haven't seen this show, don't the the, <laughs> <laughs> the list of names we are going to mention on this show is oh, it's oh. a veritable it's a veritable who's that of WCW. <laughs> you just have to remember that all these people had contracts. Yeah, I, I I don't know whether it was on the air or off the air, Lee. I was complaining to you a couple of weeks ago where I was like. Jesus, they had fuck all wrestling on this show. It was like six matches and maybe the last one. Yeah, no, that was on air. We said, Jesus, we fucking six matches on the show. Yeah, and it's you know what? Ten or, ten or eleven. Yeah, they went right back up to ten this week and I fucking ate my, I, I ate my words on that one. It's like, man, I missed the six match show by comparison. <laughs> we, we should actually mention that you DM'd me on Monday going, Thunder isn't three hours this week, is it? And I panicked. Yeah. It's because I looked up so to get the to get the the venue because there's a confusing thing with this where so two episodes of this show seem to have been taped at the same time this episode and the next one uh, because the cage match has them both as being uh, on the same day okay but also it has one before the other so I needed to get it straight in my head uh, and I'm trying to do. I, you know, I, I'm not going to say it until we get to the end of 1998, but I'm, I'm toying around with like a, a big spreadsheet project on the, the match results from 1998. So I've been looking up the cage match pages for these shows. Um, but uh, I looked at the reason I DM'd you was because I threw up the, the episode 29 cage match thing on my phone and I looked at the list of matches and because loads of them were like 27 of them, <laughs> because there was loads of sub 10 minute matches. Um, there is no times listed beside it. I was like, "How fucking long is this show?" So that's why I was like, "It's not three hours, is it?" Because I haven't, I haven't started yet, and I really need to right now if it's three hours because I can't do it. <laughs> like that time of uh, maybe last month or the month before, where I watched the three-hour thing, like the, the, the afternoon three hours that we fucking terrified us. Yeah, watched it the <laughs> afternoon we recorded, and that was just a shitty time to be alive. I'll tell you, I preferred this situation where I watched it a couple of days ago, and some of the memories are a bit faded already. Then trying to shove it all in before right before we record but however before we do that lee a very important bit of business and that's the beers of thunder uh talking about the beverages we have in the holster uh to get us through this program and boy is this a week where we're going to be leaning on it more than usual uh what have you got for yourself there i have a honey jack daniels i'm back on my whiskey now was this uh is it from the bottle or is it one of the new cans or, or... Jesus Dave I'm not drinking directly from the bottle <laughs> well uh, you know there's like the, the, <laughs> there's like the honey liqueur that's in the bottle that you can pour out yeah, in no, small it, measures it, it, it's the bottle um, I, I haven't actually seen any of the cans yet 
Yeah, so in Tesco now, they've got, like, the Honey Jack Daniels Lemonade. Oh, okay. Um, that sounds quite nice. Um, but, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Had you seen those? No, it's it's the full-on bottle. <laughs> just the whole bottle. <laughs> the whole bottle, just to get through the show. You've got, like, two bottles. You've got one of those baseball caps with, like, the crazy straws coming out of either side. <laughs> and just, like, two Jack Daniels bottles shoved in there to get through it. If, um, you, ever do a, if you ever do, like, a live video podcast i'll have one of them yeah <laughs> i have gone with uh from the lervig brewery out of norway hang on the the ludwig lervig oh okay. if only it was ludwig borga brewery uh the lervig brewery i've gone with the hell's yeah hellas lager which is a 4.5 percent. so that will hopefully get me through it hell's yeah hellas lager yeah it's it's pretty good and i'm loving is it the- are they the sponsors of Hellas Verona? They should be. Um, they are. <laughs> uh, it, it's a pretty good can as well. You know, a man for my can art, and mm-hmm. it's pretty damn good. Let me give it a go here. I'm also expecting Jeff now to correct me on how I said Hellas Verona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'd be right on you. Um, I uh, I also have should the occasion arise and I get really frustrated with the show, I have an emergency Jemison ginger and lime can. <laughs> I think you carry them in your pockets anyway, so you well, know. The thing, the, see, the thing that's really dangerous about those is at the moment in my local supermarket, it's four for nine euro on them. So, like, I'm going and going, yeah, I could use a top up, not knowing how many I have at home. So, I think I have like eight or nine in the fridge. <laughs> my lovely wife doesn't drink except for our bottom drawer, which is full of these cans of like pink gin and something or, you know, whatever vodka and whatever flavor drink it is. Yeah. But she definitely doesn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> i've got a thing where yeah i like uh emma my partner she has like um i think a couple of gin type drinks up in that top shelf where we put all the beer and then it's like it's it's 80 percent beers i've bought for this yeah. show like i've got some beers i got my 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 rebel reds in a bottom drawer that are kind of like my of an evening sort of beers but like when i get the wild and wonderful ones off our friends at craft central i feel like it's a waste if i'm not on the show drinking them which means I it takes me fucking ages to get through them, um, and clear out the top shelf. But uh, you know that's a, you know that's the sacrifice I make for well, the, the with, Thunder Buddies. With a uh, craft center reopened, oh, physically it's reopened. Yes, now, yeah. so you know a trip in may, yeah, may happen. Yeah, when when going back to Dublin is a thing I can do, and then we're mm-hmm. we're meeting up and stuff like that. I think actually physically going to Craft Central is something I'm going to have to to put on the list. Yes, it's definitely on my list. Anyway, look, let's not stall any longer. Uh, We're here this week to talk about Thunder, episode 29, coming to you from Peoria, Illinois, uh, dated August 26, 1998. Uh, The show opens with confirmation of something that we really kind of already had pretty much figured out a week ago, uh, and that was that Team WCW for War Games will comprise Diamond Dallas Page, WCW Commissioner Rowdy Roddy Piper, and Warrior. Uh, and the kind of the the thing they're really pushing on this show, Lee, is that, you know, technically Hogan has never beaten any of them, uh, even though by the end of the show, that kind of uh, statement is watered down to he's never truly beaten them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't think he has a clean pinfall over any of them, but like, yeah. actually, wait, didn't he pin Paige in the... The first tag was it the Malone tag match? I'm pretty sure Disciple hit his finish and Hogan pinned him. He may well have done. 
that's brilliant if like it's only been a couple of months it's like literally two months <laughs> yeah but maybe that does their guard. He never truly beaten him because there was shenanigans involved when he did, I guess. Okay, now, now they're just being, like, fucking yeah. dishonest. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's already bad enough when they're, like, you're ignoring that, like, I'm sure at some stage Piper has some sort of a shenanigans or not victory over him back in the other company that they're mm. ignoring. That the, the company that they're ignoring but can't help cash like, in on the popularity of. Like, Hogan beat Piper yeah. at WrestleMania 1. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things, Lee, uh, uh, and it happens a lot with WCW where the more you think about it, <laughs> the less logical it is. So it's best we just go, OK, and move on. Um, it's like talking to you, OK, sure. Yeah. But but here's the thing, uh, and this is something that I, I think vexed you last week and will continue to do so up until we are finally have this match in the rearview mirror is that they're constantly putting over the teams in this about, oh, it's amazing. There's three teams mm-hmm. of three people in it. It's NWO Hollywood. It's it's the Wolfpack. It's Team WCW. But then constantly coming back to, you know, as Heenan punctuates here, but it's every man for himself. Because they had to throw in, like, they can't just leave well enough alone and they have to put in that additional stipulation we talked about last week where the person who gets the pinfall in War Games gets Goldberg for the title. And, like, it just... In that simple thing, they probably thought, oh, this is a a cherry on top, has completely destroyed the internal logic of this match. Like, okay, we know it's building to Paige, Goldberg, Havoc. Yes. So, why not just do Paige versus, I don't know, Bret Hart in a number one contenders match at the pay-per-view? Yeah. And do the war games with the NWO Wolfpack and the NWO Black and White. Yeah. Or... Uh, or you could have your three ma- three team war games, have Paige win and come out on Nitro going like I was the, the victorious captain in war games. Give me a, a shot. Yeah. yeah. Like anything but what they, like it, it feels like something we're going to say a lot. Anything but what they did made uh, would have made more sense. You know? Yeah. It, it just it's fucking this is where it, it's going to start getting infuriating because you can see there's a path they should have went. Yeah. And then just the way they did go. Because this is the thing, like, as we start creeping towards the end of the year, because it's no surprise now, like, 2000 and 2001 is the true fun bad era where the the, the horse had already bolted, so let's just enjoy this shit as it burns down, WCW. 1999, we are trundling ever closer towards, uh, and that's the year I started rereading WCW, uh, Death of WCW, recently, and that's the year. That's the year where all the mistakes that killed the company essentially were made. Whereas I'll probably have a lot of nostalgia for that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, again, it was the, the first full year where I'm watching WCW mm-hmm. as a child. So, yeah, there will be nostalgia. Um, but it's, you know, um, you can it's, already it's infuri- see... infuriating just seeing the mistakes. Yeah. And you can see, again, like we're still f- like three to four months out of 1999 and you can already see where the pieces on the board are going and it's just like it's 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 tough to watch in some ways but then like i think once we get used to it we'll be able to derive our our kind of the, the schadenfreude that comes with it all and and like it, it's funny like at this stage of the, of the podcast like we should be gone like they're already building to nash goldberg yeah they're they're, they're laying hints this should be like one of like the most anticipated matches yeah like, Starcade should be doing a mega number. 
Yeah. There's a way there's ways they could have done war games and the feuds going into war games that could have made Fall Brawl just like an up and down the card mm-hmm. grudge match show that fucking blows the doors off, pops a huge buy rate. Because war games is one of those things because this is the era before a lot of those steps were beaten into the ground. Thank you, WWE. Yes. Um it, the the match in and of itself was is a draw. A draw. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't really matter. Like, obviously, like, if you put, like, Vincent and, you know, those guys in on the Hollywood team, we'd be like, all right, you're taking the piss. But you could have moved a couple of the people out of that match into other matches on the card Mm -hmm. and, and still have a heated war games and a pretty hot couple of matches underneath it. Like, can you imagine, like... Joe Otley, I'm fucking opening the Jemison. I'm already, I'm already steamed. (laughs) Like, can you imagine, like... A, a bloody faced Kevin Nash standing victorious after pinning Scott Hall or something. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Or at least better. <laughs> and you then, know? like, then, like, you can, or say he pins one of the fucking the lower guy, Bagwell or Stevie or somebody. Yeah. And then, like, you do a Scott Hall, Kevin Nash blow off on yeah. Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. And then you're into Goldberg Nash. Yeah. But, yeah, like, again, it's, I, Anything they could have done would have been better than what they did, really. Um, look, let, let, let's get into the show anyway. And for our first match... I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> quit. Uh, our first match... You can't quit, Lee, because Raph is back. Oh, I am not even joking when I say this. I was watching the show with Connor yesterday afternoon. I, I came home from work, put it on. Connor was watching with me, and he kind of... Takes on notice and he looks up and hears the music. He's like, I don't know who this is. And he's looking up and he's like, Is that Adam Bomb? <laughs> You're <laughs> raising was, that I, boy right. I kind of wasn't noticing. I was writing down whatever the commentator was. I was like, I said, What? Hang on, what? Goes, yeah. Was that guy Adam Bomb in WWF? Mm-hmm. I said, Yes, he was. <laughs> so this is, yes, Wrath. Uh, making his Thunder debut, his Days of Thunder debut, because he hasn't been on any of the pay-per-views we've done either. So this is his Thunder debut. Uh, Brian Clark, formerly known as Adam Bomb in the WWF, as you say. So he would have come back, if I'm not mistaken, Lee, at Uncensored the previous year, I think it was. Um, Where he debuted as Rat. Yes, because in 1997, Mortal Kombat was the hottest shit. And WCW went all in. The, oh my God, did they go all in? The, they the blood runs cold angle with Glacier yes. and so uh, this this ang- this angle slash collective of humanity, um, that they had at Uncensored, as Lee said, collectively referred to as blood runs cold, featured four characters that were to varying degrees from light to incredibly. Uh, close to uh, Mortal Kombat characters. This was their attempt to go, oh, look, you like that Mortal Kombat shit? Here's some other shit. So you had Mortis, who, you know, looking at the Mortal Kombat roster is most like Reptile, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the, the color-coded the green. green. Yeah. yeah. Glacier, Sub-Zero. Very, like, that's the... that bite Talk about con- on the nose. <laughs> some considerable distance, the most on the nose one. Uh, and also Ernest Miller, who like, you know, based on his, you know, I'm a martial artist, but you know, I'm like, I'm too good for this shit. To me, there's a lot of Johnny Cage in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wrath is the fourth member of that group. Um, 
So yeah, I would know him more. So when I started watching WCW, it's towards the tail end of Wrath because he he's just back from injury and he does get, I think, an ACL injury a few months from now that keeps him out for a while. So uh, I would know him more as one half of Chronic. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> Um, our whole yeah. podcast is just going to be their song playing it over oh my god like I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it now I want to save that Chronic talk for like two years from now when we get to Chronic <laughs> Chronic one of the most emblematic acts of Russo era uh, WCW my like my giddy aunt they were fucking like uh, look <laughs> just an intro Chronic Chronic Chronic, chronic. <laughs> the thing that always bugged me the thing, look, right, look we're, we're in it now the thing that always bugged me about them was that they were called Chronic with two Ks. They yes. were, their finish was called the High Times. It was. Which was a double choke slam. Mm-hmm. But nothing else about their character had anything to do with weed. It's, you know, a typical Vince Russo half-assed idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it'd be one thing if they were all coming out like fucking... If they came out with like, you know, red, deep red eyes and... yeah. They came out like a lot of fucking, smoke on the on the stage. Yeah, gear made out of hemp, or fucking doing like promos like RVD with the RVD four twenty so they just smoked your ass sort of stuff. Or do you um, know they should have been they should have been dressed like um, do you remember Special K from Ring yeah. of Honor? <laughs> Deep cuts, yeah. That would that would have been again anything they could have done would have been better than this. But um, yeah, we we will save the chronic talk because there's going to be a lot of. There's like a good, I don't know, four to six months at least where every Nitro and Thunder has a chronic squash and like usually against the same half dozen teams. And for um, when, when we're doing our chronic pick your poison, we will definitely review <laughs> chronic versus uh, Undertaker and Kane. Oh my God. Or what was their other? They had like one Smackdown match together. Was it Kai and Tai? Yeah, they, they they squashed somebody. Yeah, they I think they squashed Kai and Ty. They shit the bed with the and with the pay per view and then we're, we're in scene again, which is great because like Brian Adams is such a good mate of Takers. Oh yeah, the two of them were like, and even even he was like, oh fuck these guys, but uh, yeah, that's how bad. Like they shit the bed in a way that only Buff Bagwell was able to replicate in WWF during the invasion. Um, Jesus, like, the more I think about, like, how many hilarious things happened to WCW acts, the more I think we're going to end up doing the invasion at some stage. (laughs) But here's the thing I wanted to talk to you about, Lee. Do you know what, uh, because I looked this up, because I wanted to see, is like, I'm pretty sure it was Brian, uh, um, Brian Clark's first Thunder match. I wanted to be sure of that. So Mm -hmm. I clicked onto his list of matches to find it. Do you know what... Brian Clark's last recorded wrestling match was ever or before this ever his last ever match before he either retired or was doing shows so small that cage match isn't bothered with them hmm I'm gonna say it was a WWA tour somewhere so maybe like around 2003 so you're close with both year and promotion because he did do some work with WWA and the final year uh, recorded for him is 2002. Okay. You are not going to believe this match. If you if that was your guess, you're not going to believe this. So his final match was in All Japan Pro Wrestling. No. In 2002 at the Tokyo Dome. 
What? Where Chronic... <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> ...lost to the team of Keiji Muto and Bill Goldberg. No. <laughs> what? It was at their, I believe it was their second Wrestle 1 um, at the Tokyo Dome. That is the their la- the last recorded Brian Clark match on Cage Match. And I am insanely curious to watch that match. I've got to be oh, honest with you. That, that sounds absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it though? <laughs> How long did it go? If we ever, if we ever get uh, someone Is it still there, going on now? It might be. <laughs> If somebody does like comes on and does a pick your poison and KG Muto, it would be hard for me not to pick this match. Just out of pure curiosity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had returned from an injury, um, so he'd been out since January, so around the time the Thunder started. And he came back on the Nitro Just Gone and he beat Mike Enos, who that's not the last time we mentioned him in the show, unfortunately. Um there is another detail when I was looking this up, there's another detail I found out about this week's Thunder. And I'm not going to say it now, Lee. I just want you and the listeners to remember that I said this because in two thunders, I'm going to your socks are going to be knocked off. Okay. Is it? That I don't this want. Never actually happened. No, I don't want you to look up. <laughs> I don't want you to look up any thunder cards around this time. No problem. Lee, for two. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a huge commitment, Dave. It trust yeah. me, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> There's. There is just there is somebody who is showing up in two weeks, and I couldn't fucking believe it. But anyway, oh, we'll... I want to make a guess. Right, okay. You, I tell you what, you are allowed to make. This is like the sealed envelope show. Yes. Like you do a prediction before a football tournament. I want you to. I'm going to no sell it. I'm going to mute the microphone so that I don't pop. I want you to give me three guesses as to who you think it might be. Okay. Can I can I ask for one clue? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, obviously, it's a wrestler, yes. Okay. I will say that it is a wrestler who is most associated with the post-brand extension era of WWE. Okay. So somebody pops up on Thunder... In 1998, that's most associated with post-brand extension WWE. Yeah. Okay, so... Not, it's always... not that they haven't been other places, but just that I think to the casual listener who doesn't follow things as closely as maybe you and I do, Okay, that is where they would know this person from the most. So I'm going to make three guesses. So if you want to mute yourself just in case... Yeah. So I'm going to say... Yoshihiro Tajiri... I'm going to say, oh Jesus, uh, who, who could it possibly be? Brand extension WWE. Um, that that's wrestling in 1998. Like Finley, no, like we know Finley's already on the show. Regal, we know. Um. Jeez, I'm stumped now. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Noble? But he shows up later in WCW, so it wouldn't be him. 
Um, I don't know, Dave. I'm honestly stumped, actually. This is this is fun for me. So Yoshihiro Tajiri is your guess. Tajiri would be my guess, but I'm genuinely stumped. Like, Big Vito shows up later in, the, yeah. in WCW, so it's not going to be him. Yeah. Johnny DeBall, obviously the same. Um, I can't imagine who shows up now I, that would be associated Lee, with that. I will... Look, I don't want to say you're wrong straight away, but I'm just going to say if I had been given 45 minutes to guess, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten this person. I, 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 I feel like I want to do the Mrs. Doyle thing of not giving up until I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Father Harry Cake Lionel. <laughs> uh, um, no, uh, I and I am somebody who is unfortunately very familiar with that era. Like when SmackDown was great and when Raw was not, um, I would I, I like I watch Raw and SmackDown every single week, um, up till about I don't know, Jesus, maybe two thousand and eight. So like that era of like you know, I, I, you could have me sat there and I'm pulling out all sorts of weird kind of um. Do you know, like, I know there's some people at home that might guess, like, did John Cena have a dark match? Because, you know, one of the, the big pub quiz trivia things about WCW is that John Cena was at the power plant mm-hmm. towards the end of WCW. So people will pull out names like that. And you might pull out, like, obscure WWE names that you wouldn't think were in WCW, like a Luther Reigns or something like that. Horseshoe. But, uh, what? Horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> but I never never would would have gotten who this person is and I cannot wait and I did look it up because I was like oh maybe this match is like deleted off but then I found the match on YouTube so uh, I think it's Thunder 31 where this person shows up and what I want you to do is to promise me and the listener well you're going to react on the show to it because we'll have to review the match but what I want you to do is to to DM me as soon as it happens when you're watching oh I will obviously Cool. Right. So now we actually have to talk about wrestling. Um, <laughs> so Rat. Rat, yeah. Rat wrestles Scott Putsky on this show. Shakespeare's favourite wrestler. Yeah. And as the match starts, it's very, yeah, it's very like Shakespeare or Interview with the Vampire, this gear. Um, the lads are heavily advertising that tonight's show will feature Jericho versus Alex Wright for the TV title and the debut of Kaz Hayashi. Um, so those are two things, at least, we can look forward to in some respects. Um, they also put over the formation of the One Warrior Nation. Um, Fuck yeah, they do. Yeah. Lee, do you want to talk about the One Warrior Nation? It sounds like you're really hyped about it. No. (laughs) Honestly, no. There's two guys that are obviously given free t-shirts on the hard camera side. Yeah. Because the t-shirts are like six sizes too big for them. Yeah. So, you might notice, keen listener, that One Warrior Nation is O-W-N. The inverse of NWO. It's like Relic is killer spelled backwards. Is, is, that, is that because Ultimate Warrior would just show up in mirrors? Yeah. So, so OWN? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's like Red Rum. <laughs> <laughs> OWN. <laughs> fucking oh, horseshit. Oh, my. Scrolling it onto a fucking onto a wall. This is a fucking bad television program, Lee. I'm just, I'm already struggling here. Thank God for booze here. Look, um, I think we're doing well here. 40, yeah. what, 40 odd minutes into the recording, yeah. we still haven't got through match one. <laughs> <laughs> fucking shambolic. So, this, the One Warrior Nation is essentially a propaganda campaign <laughs> for WCW to make you think that people care about the Warrior. And does, like I said last week, that it's make not a, that, 
Does that make Lee Marshall Comical Alley? <laughs> look, you you said it, not me. <laughs> I look. I I'm not saying people didn't give a shit at all about Warrior. But I'm saying that they are really trying to inflate that this is like, my God, this is Hogan levels. Like, oh, my God, the fans are so behind them. And it's kind of like it's not golf clap levels, but it's kind of a polite we pop because we know you're the good guy coming in against Hogan. But we're not really excited, you know. He wasn't he um, gone that long that people forgot that he's dog shit and a piece of shit as well. Yeah, exactly. He'd been gone for what, like eight or nine months, I think. Um, how long was he gone from the WWF? He left WWF in... Was it like the previous summer, was it? No, it was summer 96. Oh, so it was the summer before that again. So he did, yeah, yeah so year, 18 months. Yeah, year 18 months. But yeah, like you said, not long enough uh, for people to forget how bad he was. Uh, in the time it took me to type those two sentences into my notes, uh, Wrath destroyed Putski. Uh, the only highlight of this match, unless Lee wanted to correct me, is that he finishes him with a move that he's calling the Meltdown, which is a pump handle dominator and actually looked pretty good. Okay, the Meltdown isn't a pump handle dominator, Dave. It was botched. <laughs> the Meltdown is a pump handle slam, a la Test, the way Test would do one. So they just fucked it. They fucked it. Either yeah. Adam or Claire couldn't get him up or Putski didn't know how to turn himself to fall yeah. in, on his back. Well, this looked much better than a pump handle slam. Because you see, that's a, the thing, you, you say that and it makes a lot of sense to me now because I'm like, when, because I, I, I very, I, I very, very vague memories of anything Wrath related because I wasn't watching his previous stint before he mm. just made this comeback. And like I said, it's kind of the tail end of him before he comes back and forms Chronic, that I like kind of distinctly remember the name Wrath, but not like anything about any of his matches. And I remember in Chronic, the pump handle slam is his finish. Mm-hmm. Like, so it makes a lot of sense now that you've said that that's what it was supposed to be. But the accidental pump handle dominator looked a lot better. <laughs> so now it's going to be really disappointing every single week. My big problem is it's called a meltdown because apparently Wrath is a nuclear f- scientist. Great stuff. That that fucking creative man. You watch out. <laughs> <laughs> like why is it called a meltdown? He's got nothing got to do. Like what has Rat got well, to do with a meltdown? Well, because he was Adam Bomb. <laughs> That's yes, it. He was. Yes. Past tense, yeah. Look, I know that, and you know that. But this is it's the thing. It's the thing we always talk about with WCW. They wrestle so much internally with how much to acknowledge former WWF guys as having been something in WWF like, you know they they don't want to because they don't want like v- you know they don't necessarily want Vince getting credit for all their creating all their stars but at the same time they can't like with the odd exception they can't really create any stars of their own the vast majority of the top of the card are either people who were there before Bischoff's time and over or people who came over from the other company already over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the only, in our time here, the only organic star is Goldberg. And Jericho. Uh, yeah, Jericho to an extent, mm. but he's still much lower down on the card, you know. I'm um, talking like top level, it's it's Goldberg and no one else. Like, um, they're just short of calling like one of his moves the fallout shelter or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking just bollocks. <laughs> like just have him wear the goggles if that's like, where you're going yeah honestly yeah yeah like you might as well go the whole hog 
Uh, Tony is then on the ramp with Hollywood NWO's newest man. It's Stevie Ray, and Vincent is of course with him. What, what uh, did Tony, what did what did you think of Stevie's choice to have his uh, t-shirt tucked into his wrestling tights? I didn't like that at all. I I thought for a while I was like, is it like a singlet? an NWO singlet and he's just wearing trousers over it because that's weird as well like that's a kind of like yeah, that's a big sexy power move that is because <laughs> um, that did, didn't that come out recently where it's like somebody had definitive proof that like the whole time it, it has been a singlet under trousers that he wears do Nash? yeah there's like no. a photo yeah there's like a photo of him sitting taking off his gear backstage and it's a singlet I saw it on Twitter there so it's actually the a vest yeah that's what I think everybody had assumed, but it turns out it's like a singlet and he's just wearing big pants over it. Um, or at least for some of the time it was. Like around the time this photo was taken, that's what it was. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that, so Tom... That, that ruined my head cannon now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> Tony says, regardless of Booker T, him putting the shirt, the NWO shirt on is shocking. So he's kind of saying like, you know, the Booker T situation is one thing. We'll address that shortly. But you turning to the NWO is shocking to me. Stevie says people have been asking him, so he'll explain it. Good, because that's the kind of the whole purpose the whole of point, yes. interview. Mate. <laughs> like, like Tony wasn't calling you out just to ask how you were getting on, you know. Um, he says, How's that new T-shirt doing for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, he says that Booker let JJ Dillon get in his head. Um, and essentially turn him against Stevie. He says it's been going on since the ages in time, uh, is how he describes it. He says Easy e uh, and Hollywood were there for him when times were tough, so he owes them a debt. Hollywood and Eric have put a bounty out on someone he calls the modern-day beatnik DDP, so he's laying out the challenge to him tonight. Um, so when he said that, all I could think of was... DDP as Ned Flanders' dad in The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. We tried nothing. We're all out of ideas, man. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of, like, pointed jibes at Paige on this show. Uh, I think I wrote the other one down later. Where it's like, they're trying to make it sound like Paige is some big stoner. It's weird. Uh, but we'll get to it. There's a beatnik here. And I think someone calls him a burnout later in the show. I, I think, think that's the other. Uh, Stevie as well, isn't it? It might be. Um, it's fucking like it. It's weird, you know. It's like that big spoon thing a few months ago with Nash, where it's like, <laughs> is this like a a rib from backstage that has just stumbled onto TV? Who knows? Um, next up we have Mike Enos versus the debuting Bull Payne. Bull Payne, who is a Juggalo Championship Wrestling icon <laughs> and German man. Yeah, apparently. Uh, again, he's somebody that I, I needed to make sure that I was hearing Bull Payne correctly. Looked it up and most of his appearances in recent years, his, his prominent promotion is is uh, JCW. Um, okay, so, so I tweeted out a picture of uh, Little Petey Pump. Yes. Just after I watched this match. Because, mm-hmm. my God, does Mike Enos look like a shrunk down Scott Steiner here. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Uh, between the, the singlet and the kind of the like try, trying to act like the mm-hmm. yeah like a, a powerful guy I think like, li- Little Mikey Pump is now his name yeah it's um this match you want to talk about two guys on completely different pages like if you didn't know that Bull Payne was German so he didn't have English as a first language you would be able to tell very quickly there's some sort of language barrier here so Enos does this weird thing in the corner at the very start where he lifts both he's trying to get Bull sitting down in the corner and Bull is not reading the signals so at first he lifts his two legs up and then kind of just slaps them back down 
and it, it it's really like it's an awkward moment because he kind of like stares at him for a beat kind of like go down fucker and he doesn't <laughs> then he like starts working the leg in a way that makes you think that like he's trying to convey to bull it's like go fuck your leg down. yeah for fuck's sake i'm hurting your leg sit down then he eventually gets him down and lays in the stomp. So like all this, it wasn't even to build to a decisive point in the match. It was just to build to some stomps in the corner. Um, big power slam, shoulder tackles, commentary completely distracted and off the point, talking about the the, the main event, talking about Warrior, anything but this, um, talking about Hogan. Uh, Enos with a hammerlock, but pain and the only smart thing he does in this match, kind of bails out of the ring to escape the hammerlock. Um attempts a dive off the apron Enos catches him belly to belly on the, the mats uh, Payne manages to get up on the top rope at one point get press slammed off it he lifts Bull onto the ropes with him takes fucking ages uh, he's pumping of, up the crowd Dave yeah he really wants the crowd to get into oh it's the top rope fall away slam then he hits it doesn't really look that impressive and wins <laughs> it's a fall away slam it's never yeah. impressive yeah just shite do you know what it reminded me of do you remember when Scott Steiner debuted on Raw and he went into like this mini series with Jericho yeah and I think they I think it was a triple threat match they had for like the number one contendership against uh, Triple H and Steiner won the match with like a middle rope Samoan drop (laughs) and it was the least impressive thing you've ever seen yeah and it's just like oh Right. It's like the it's like the inverse of do you know when wrestlers try to do that thing where it's like I'm gonna get something over as a finish, um, do you know uh, or I'm gonna make people think I can get a, mm-hmm. a a win from anywhere. Like I remember there's a famous thing that that both um Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talk about. There was a Kurt Angle Edge match. I think you know where I'm going with this. It's a Kurt Angle Edge match from their famous feud, where Edge hits a missile dropkick. And the entire crowd bought it as the finish. Yeah. Um, and, and like, so this is the inverse of that, where it really didn't matter what Mike Enos did. I don't think anyone knew what his finish was or cared to find out. <laughs> Nobody watches Saturday Night, apparently. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, there's a tease for Saturday Night. See, where we're see, getting, that up for you. Look at that master the segue, Lee Malone. Um, we have Stevie Ray, Jericho, Meng, Conan, and my favorite part of this, where Tony drops that uh, Lee Marshall is going to be interviewing Meng, which came as a tremendous surprise to Lee Marshall. And he didn't like it at all. No, he was not happy at all. And I think Heenan says, don't eat before you interview him. Yeah, when he smells food off you, he goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of almost sounded like a shoot that like Meng thinks it's like disrespectful and will start stiffing you or something like that if he thinks you're you're there on a full stomach. He's waiting outside catering for everybody apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um. Just yeah, throwing chops at people coming out of catering. Um. Next we have the cat versus Disco Inferno. Disco tries to warm up the crowd, but Cat takes to the mic to say he's he's not here for fun. He's here to show that he's a three-time world karate champion. Uh, as Disco turns his back to take off his jacket, he eats a massive head kick. Cat uh, picks him up, wrist-locked head kick for the win. Cat uh, gets on the mic then saying, WCW tried to make him a wrestler. He's not a wrestler, which I completely agree. Uh, he's a karate champion and no one in that locker room can stop him. So, uh, an Ernest the Cat Miller heel turn, Lee. I know you probably came up out of your seat. You were so excited about it. I was stunned. <laughs> I'm still not over, to be honest. Uh, like I'm pretty sure at one Why, stage, Kat? Kat, why? I'm pretty sure Cat says, "I'm not a wrestle." 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he says, I'm not a wrestle. <laughs> and I sure do agree. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah. I will say he does finish with I'm the greatest, which is yeah, <sighs> going to become a big part of the show. A big part of the show. Um, next up, we have Conan versus Silver King. Uh, crowd, as usual, hot for Conan and the Wolfpack because the Wolfpack have yet to be beaten to death. Uh, on this show I don't know I think Silver King's the best part of this match <laughs> oh no no look he is I, 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 you know but in terms of crowd reaction Conan you know they're up for Conan they're up for the Wolfpack team they're happy to see him I, I love that Silver King's gear is neither silver or king like yeah. it's multicoloured he's just a man um, Lee Marshall starts off this match abso- I, I was just getting absolutely bodied by Bobby Heenan his Spanish lessons he gives a couple of Spanish <laughs> lessons about what, like, Arriba La Raza means and um, what was Viva the La Revolucion. Viva La Revolucion. And just completely no-sold by Heenan. And, like, so bad that, like, <laughs> even... I think, um, I think Tony, Tony has to step in, like, just like... Yeah, Tony right feels him. bad for him. <laughs> I know what you meant, Lee. <laughs> oh, it's good. Uh, like you say, Lee, Silver King looked very good in this match. Um... He's on top of Conan early. Hits a splash to the outside. Um, oh, there's a point in here, yeah. So there's the burnout comment later on about Paige. There had been the beatnik one earlier on. And in the middle of this, Brain just says he doesn't think DDP has had a bath in six months. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who did, um, who did DDP piss off this week? Exactly, yeah. He just obviously didn't shake the right hands uh, at Nitro or something like that. Uh, Conan getting going now in the match uh, hits a, a face buster then locks in the Tequila Sunrise uh, to win um, what what did you think of uh, Tony saying Conan would have to win the uh, War Games match to ever get a World Championship match because of they, and I quote politics yeah it's one of those Jesus pulling back the curtain there Tony aren't you yeah, like we're not we're not at full the fourth wall is in tatters era of WCW yet, but I feel like because we know where it goes, I think if it had been a one-off thing, I'd be like, right, okay, I didn't like that, but whatever. But because we know these kind of mentions and fourth wall breaks and um, you know, uh, kayfabe shattering promos are going to be coming thick and fast over the next couple of years, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like. He's not wrong that Conan would have to to win war games because, you know, Conan is at one level and he's never really like he's portrayed as like the the wacky but over sidekick in the wolf pack, you know. Mm. Um so it's not a, it's not a moot point to say that it would take a big victory for Conan to be on the world title level, but saying something like politics I think is is a bit a bit far. Um so yeah, the match was fine, I I guess. Like like we said Silver King was the best part. Um, Brain talks about it being a momentum builder for war games, as you kind of alluded to there. The NWOB team is out then, uh, with Rick Rude saying he doesn't see a pack, just a lone wolf. Uh, then he hits a catchphrase that he it seems he was very proud of. He's like, if you ain't black and white, you got to be black and blue. Uh, Rude says he can pick who kicks his butt tonight, so they're not going to jump them all at once. Conan decides, nah, the hell with that. So he invites them all in. And just if you weren't surely that the B team are absolute dorks, they didn't come Conan, inside the ring. <laughs> yeah, Conan invites them all into the ring. They're only covering three sides and he just easily bails and gets away from them. Um, and yeah, uh, Rude back on the bike saying, after war games, there will be no more games. <laughs> He's a um, poet and he doesn't even know it. 
Indeed. Um, Tony next in the ring with DDP. DDP, he's not quite at the fever pitch of popularity he no. was, Lee, it's, but... It's, it's amazing what a program of Hulk Hogan will do for you. Yeah, but, you know, people still like him well enough. I think they were excited to see him. Um, Tony asks him about the bounty. DDP says, what's new? Like, completely killing that thing dead. <laughs> do yeah, you know what I mean? Like, means nothing. <laughs> it's like, they've, they've, put, they've put a bounty on your head. It's like, oh, they're fucking always after me. Like, um, DDP says, Sleazy E was wrong about his hiring and firing powers around here, thanks to Piper being able to bring in Warrior, of course. He says, hey, look, uh, he makes the fairly fair points like he brought in Car- uh, but again also kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit saying I brought in Carmelo and Jay Leno and, and he did nothing about it but now he has a problem with the warrior and he suspects it's because of Hollywood scum Hogan which he's, he's still trying to get that thing over and you know to his credit the crowd are chanting it along with him here um, yeah because they're morons yeah, addressing... <laughs> I won't disagree with you. Uh, addressing Stevie Ray, he says... He thinks, you know, he's a pretty big guy. He could slapjack him, but... Uh, what Stevie Ray had what? also threatened to yak him. Yeah, and he's not okay. so sure about that. So he says, slap, jack, and yak. What the fuck is yak? I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> is is this a slang term that we're not familiar with? I'm, I'm not sure. Reach out to us at WCW Thunderpod if there's something we're missing there. But uh, Paige took exception to it anyway and say tonight Stevie will feel the bang. So challenge accepted for later on in the program. Uh, next up, Mike Tanay in the house. So I knew Kazayashi was coming out. And it is. <laughs> it's, it's Evan Courageous versus Kazayashi. And it's interesting that uh, on his Chiron, uh, Evan Courageous is spelled in a different way to what it would be later in WCW, where it's just the word Courageous with a K. Instead of the kind of like um, the K-A-R or whatever the, I don't have it in front of me here, whatever way it would be later spelled. Um, this is, of course, Kaz's Thunder debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? There was like, because I've always been kind of like, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a huge Evan Courageous guy, but I think with the the right guy, he would go on to have some some decent matches he, in WCW for he, sure. It was a decent cruiserweight. He wasn't bad. Yeah. I could have done with the, this being longer and us having less of the shite matches earlier on in the show because um, there's some good uh, mat wrestling starting off here. But of course, we can't have nice things on this program, Lee. So as soon as the wrestling is starting to happen and I'm starting to get into a match for the first time in this show, Sonny Ono makes an appearance. Because of because course of he course, does. Yeah. Uh, he is shouting into the camera. Uh, up on the ramp saying that with the right guidance he thinks Kaz Hayashi could go somewhere uh, Kaz wins with a massive high angle senton uh, why do you think they sent out Sonny Ono to be his manager Dave? couldn't possibly comment but I know there are some there have been some lawsuits over the years which might indicate certain problems <laughs> WCW has let's not forget that you know Sonny Ono was Eric Bischoff's best friend uh, indeed um yeah, I, I just, it was so, it was such a letdown and so kind of characteristic of this show, Lee, mm-hmm. that as soon as something interesting starts to happen, some bullshit comes out. Um, and that's the only way I can describe uh, one Sony Ono coming out here. He's shouting into the camera after this match that uh, he can smell money off Kaz Hayashi. Uh, the only other notable thing about this segment uh, was uh, Brain getting bodied this time by Tony. Her brain says, you know, the Japanese, they speak a different language. And Tony goes, yes, they speak Japanese. <laughs> I must say, I love Tanay, Shivani, and Hina together at this point. Because Bo- Bobby just seems to come alive in the second hour of the show these days. Yeah, yeah, he's getting punchy. Like, it's past his bedtime. It's just like having having his two mates next to him just like yeah. invigorates him. 
and he's just yeah. trying to pop them. He doesn't even care. Yeah, like, look, we love Lee Marshall on the program, but it feels like a better commentary table with Tanay there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, Sat- in, the in-jokes do be flying. flying. Indeed. Yeah, they do. Uh, Saturn is out next with Lodi calling him out on the mic, even though Saturn was already coming out at the start of the segment. I feel like that was that was redundant. Uh, he says he's challenging Saturn for breaking his fingers. Saturn corrects him that Raven, in fact, broke his fingers. He said, Raven is his friend. He wouldn't do that. He even got him a new rubber ducky. Uh, <laughs> and to honor Raven, he's going to beat him tonight in a Raven's Rules match. Lodi asks him if he's scared. Says he'll leave the flock if he loses. But Saturn has to be his slave until the pay-per-view when he wins. You stand corrected, Dave, because it's not a Raven's Rules match. It's a Lodi's Rules match. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Now, Lee, am I mistaken in... Uh, remembering that Saturn is in fact our martial arts division champion. No, he lost it. Oh, he lost it. Who is our champion? I have it up on my list. Oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I was looking at this, I was like, oh God. No, Ra- Raven won the four way. He did. Last he did, week. Yeah, oh, well, sorry. Yeah. Two weeks ago on our show. Yeah, because we couldn't, yeah, because uh, I couldn't decide whether a multi man match counted. That's right. No, no. I thank- decided a multi man match counted. Um, big clothesline from Saturn kicks off this match. Puts an absolute whooping on Lodi here. Uh, Riggs and Sick Boy, as you might expect, out very quickly, but dispatched by Saturn. Very uh, easily. Very, like, with, with absolute ease, yes. Uh, Raven is walking out now. Saturn clocks him. Death Valley driver, but the ref is distracted. Uh, Raven gets in the ring, but eats a T-bone suplex. Canyon is in and hits a flatliner on Saturn. Shakes Raven's hand. Canyon orders the ref to count the pin and Lodi wins. It would appear now Canyon is either in or associated with the flock. I am so, and another, in. I am so all in on this fucking storyline. Another wrinkle on something that was hit on by Brain straight away. It's like the power of persuasion. Like that, mm. that, that Raven brainwashing. Like Because you have a guy, Canyon, who spent two months out to get them. And slowly but surely, because he's been working away on them since he was still Mortis... Slowly but surely, Raven chips away at your resistance, and now he's on your side. Um, oh, I, I honestly, I'm so in on this storyline. I fucking love this shit. Yeah, well, it's one of the only storylines that has any consistency to us, so it's, it's hard not to be caught up in it. Well, it's not but even yeah. that it's consistent. It's like, because it's not like, like you say, Canyon like hated Raven all of two months ago. Mm. But it's just, oh, it's so good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Next up, Scott Norton versus Jim Neidhart. Commentators are trying to set the context for this match, saying that Norton has been on a roll, blowing through opponents in the last two or three weeks. Neidhart uh, goes outside very early, briefly goozles Vincent on the outside, uh, which gives Norton a window to jump him and take over. Um, <clears throat> the story of this match, Lee, is Anvil is trying to hit him with everything but the kitchen sink, and it's having no effect. It's just completely no sells uh, from uh, Scott Norton, including my favourite part, which is a middle-row clothesline where Neidhart, not a small man, just bounces off Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then not, they, they talk about, like, right in the kind of, like, 30 seconds to a minute before this match ends, they're like, oh, it's since he added that powerbomb to the repertoire that he's been going through, dudes. Boom, jackknife win. Oh, that fucking powerbomb. Jesus. Yeah, oh, he dumped him. He dumped him. Um, what do you think of this? This idea of like a little mini push, at least for Scott Norton. I've always been a fan of Norton, so I'm perfectly fine with with Norton getting a nice little thunder push here. Yeah, I mean, like at least it's something to give you. It's one of those kind of 
give us a story to get invested in with a guy in the middle mm-hmm. of the card and I'll thank you for it. You know, even if I'm not saying like I want to see him in 20 minute matches, like it just giving me something to get on board with. I'm, I'm happy. Next up, uh, it's our by far the longest match uh, on the whole show. And thank God it was these two and not anyone else in this show getting time. Uh, it was Jericho versus Alex Wright for the TV title. Um, <clears throat> so we have, uh, there's a line in here where Jericho's coming out and it's like, um, oh, uh, Tony goes, now some young ma- female fans out there might love this man's blonde locks. And Heenan goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I, I kind of missed um, Jericho's entrance because I was looking up Scott Norton's Wikipedia. So, because yeah. Connor, uh, Connor was asking me about him. Yeah, it's your bog standard Jericho entrance where he's like pointing at the fans, big smiley head in him, does a bit of jumping around when he gets into the ring, delighted with himself. Um, what I thought was weird. So, like Alex Wright is nominally a heel, um, and Jericho's of course still a heel. Um, so heel versus heel is weird for a match like this and for being by far the longest match on the show now I do think they got people into it by the end but I always think these kind of matches I, I think particularly on a TV where it's just kind of thrown out there um, it feels like you were just kind of uh, who's free to wrestle Jericho tonight yeah it was very much who's backstage yeah now I will say this is probably one of the better performances I've seen of one Alex Wright since we started doing this show. Um, the, the story of the match being that when the pace is up, Alex Wright is is really impressing and going toe-to-toe with Jericho. So Jericho is using every cheap, you know, ring veteran tactic he can think of to try and slow uh, the match down. He creates physical distance by getting out of the ring. He hits rest holds. At one point, he does this kind of uh, prolonged wishbone submission that kind of, I think the commentators, I don't know if it was a thing where it was actually supposed to be a pin. There was miscommunication and Jericho just thought on the fly. But for sure, the commentators got confused and thought it was a pinfall. Um, yeah, it, was, so it, was, it, made, it made it quite awkward. It was very strange. I don't think it was supposed to be a submission, but I think Jericho just adapted. Yeah. Um. Uh, again, yeah, I, I think this was a pretty good actual wrestling match. And I think it did wonders for Wright's credibility because he's been in the, the Dancing Fools and... You know, it's a comedy job or tag team, essentially. Um, And, you know, him as a singles wrestler is not so much a going concern for people. But I think this did wonders for him, as I say, where he looks like he can go with Jericho uh, after months of being a geek. uh, But also Jericho, when, you know, push came to shove, won decisively and won with our favourite and that's the high angle Mm -hmm. lion tamer where the guy is bent over on his neck I I think it's I I think it's Heenan that points out his knee is on his ear yeah it's great again it's the the classic one I always talk about is that the one with Rhino at SummerSlam Mm -hmm. uh, where it looks like he bent the man in half uh, that that high angle, oh, it's it's the best when you can actually get it on a guy. This is something I said on the uh, Twitter account, but like everyone everyone remembers the comedy bits of Jericho from '98, like the the, the luchador intros at uh, Slamboree, yeah. the King of the Loophole stuff, the like the the Man of a Thousand and Four Holes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the Ed the Strangler Lewis loophole, like all that, and it's all great. Don't get me wrong. But the reason Jericho was so hated yeah. is that he was just better than people. And not just was, is. Yeah, you like, know? he beat people clean. Yeah. 
like I think there were periods of of when he was a heel in WWE F where they were booking him to have shite shortcut finishes. But by and large, WCW and in AEW now, this is a guy who there's a lot of yucks and a lot of commentary uh, comedy to be had outside the ring and in promos. But when it comes bell to bell, this guy is a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way they put it now, because like, obviously there's only so much wool you can pull over everybody's eyes with 49-year-old Chris Jericho where people aren't going to believe that he's one of the best technical wrestlers in the world anymore. Like, he clearly can't go on that level. But what they say is that he's dangerous. Like, they have the Judas effect. They have that, like, he's been wrestling 30 years, so, like, he is smarter than you wrestling in the ring. Mm -hmm. He will figure out a way to take an advantage. So, yeah, it's something that's been consistent throughout Jericho's character. And I remember it's something... um, I remember Lance Storm talking about this when they tried to get him to do the the cabbage patch thing or when he was trying to do the the boring gimmick in WWE. Mm-hmm. And I think it it was the time, you know, he tells the story about how famously like when he was strapped with the boring gimmick, uh Steve Austin said to him it was like they're strapping the rocket to you kid <laughs> because they were giving him something, you know. Yeah. But um what he said was he was trying to put forward a version of the character where it's like, I'm boring and it's very funny that people are, you know, making fun of how boring I am. But when I want you, I want JR and the King to be talking about how like once the bell rings, this guy is an unbelievable wins, technical yeah. wrestler. Yeah. And that is kind of the Jericho thing. Like he's a fucking, he's an absolute clown on promos, in vignettes, backstage, whatever it is. But, you know, when it comes time, this guy, the vast majority of matches he has, whether they're championship matches, pay-per-view matches, TV matches, he just wins and he wins clean. Like, this year alone, like, he's taken a mask off Hoovy. He's put Rey Mysterio out for three months. He's, like, fucking beaten Dean Malenko over the course of their feud. And broke his brain. Like, it's just... (laughs) Like, the guy just goes and wins matches while being an absolute bellend. I, like, it's something, I don't know if I said it on the show, but it's something I've always said. If Jericho had never come back when he did in 2007 for his second WWF run, I think there would have been a lot of debate where his, 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 he ultimately would lay in, in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. But I think the post-2007 run and people being able to go back now in the era of things like the network and really study his stuff from the 90s as well, and not take it for granted. I I think has solidified his position as genuinely within our lifetime anyway, in the upper echelon of professional wrestlers to come out of North America. Oh, for sure. And I don't think you can argue on where he he lands on a top ten, top twenty, top fifty list. You know, I'm not interested in that. But I, he is in the conversation in that very very highest mm-hmm. of levels. And I I think if you disagree with that. I think you're fooling yourself. And I think even now, I wouldn't dare defend saying, oh, he's having four and a half star matches every week and things like that. But this is a guy who can still get you, like he sucks you into matches and mm-hmm. feuds still now, even though you know in your heart of hearts he can't go like he could here anymore. Like I wasn't going into that Orange Cassidy match last week thinking, right, this is going to be the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen in my life. But, like, damn it if that guy didn't help. Like, and obviously Orange Cassidy is no slouch himself and a great character. But, like, I shouldn't be getting emotionally invested in an Orange Cassidy-Chris Jericho match in 2020. <laughs> and yet I did. You know, same with Pineapple Pete. And same with, you know, we were... 
we were talking about um you know Brian Pillman Jr is coming into AEW and will um you know if he has a more prolonged role outside of AEW Dark will you know Chris Jericho see him as another pet project um like, we've heard we we, we were saying like Pillman Jr coming in feels like very much like Ed Jericho thing something yeah. he would have pushed for and he has a very strong influence uh, backstage from everything we've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people lay credit at his feet for the the one eighty that Britt Baker has taken in the last since lockdown started, basically, where she's become one of the best characters on the whole show. From a character that I felt every time she had to come out felt overawed and lost. Mm-hmm. Um, now I every time she has a vignette, every time she has a cross, is such a star. I, I'm giddy yeah. and you can see the Jericho in it as mm-hmm. well you know and I think like if that's the part of his career he's in where he's just here to make people and you know whether you like faction warfare or not like he has made those guys in the inner circle yeah you know um, he's made like who the fuck who should give a shit about Jake Hager in 2020 <laughs> and like I love Proud and Powerful I, I, I thought they were a great team before the inner circle but he's definitely helped bring them up to like they're a credible he's given them gravitas that they didn't have before yeah and like obviously Sammy as well mm-hmm. uh, and brought him to another level and here's, here's the thing we now know that when Jericho is done in ring yeah he's going to be the best commentator in the business yeah yeah well that's the thing he just he's one of like no matter what he does and like I remember him having a stint on when he was uh Wade Barrett's mentor in NXT season one and he did a bit of commentary on NXT season one he was sensational then mm-hmm. as well so like this is a guy who you know, the body isn't there as much anymore and like as a human being we're talking about Chris Jericho not Chris Irvine who mm-hmm. has a lot of absolute trash opinions we would never defend on this show but like that wrestling mind is a gold mine to have at AEW and that's worth keeping him on that salary even if he can't even if he shits the bed in matches going forward you know what I mean yeah it, um, it, it's just <laughs> I know we got we got way off track but like you know I just think Jericho like people forget why Jericho was so over yeah and I said it on Twitter people will be do, do well for themselves to go back and revisit Jericho's 1998 mm-hmm. Uh, yeah we've got some great stuff still coming up before the end of the year mm-hmm. like every I, I don't know if it happens to you I, I don't know what app you or what device you use to watch uh, the WWE Network on whenever I log on it shows the 1998 shows in reverse order so yes. I'm seeing pictures of Ralphus mm-hmm. every time I log in and I'm like oh yes I think it's one of the, the, the last hundreds of the year has Ralphus as the screenshot yeah 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 so I'm uh, very very excited but anyway back to this match so yeah uh, Jericho looked like a strong champ with a decisive win here but Wright mm-hmm. looks like a great young wrestler with potential that fell just short of the, the, the consummate pro in Jericho Stellar- if, you want, if you want to talk about potential this next match <laughs> so we have uh, Busted Flush Made Flesh Kurt Hennig with Rick Rude uh, versus Van Hammer Haley, remember Van Hammer <laughs> it's funny you say that because my first point is remember Van Hammer was in the feud with Raven and Saturn <laughs> yeah and you know who wants to remind you of that Van Hammer because he yells down the ca- uh, the camera in the, the like the worst one liner I've heard in quite some time. Hey Raven, little Jack Horner calls. He want his corner back. So, just so lame. Um, 
there's a woman Tony gives a shout out to as Van Hammer is coming down and he then absolutely buries her uh, speculating that she's not a fan of the show she's Tony's bug-eyed cousin who steals tips from a restaurant all the time oh, Jesus is <laughs> that totally <laughs> I was just like Tony couldn't believe it didn't he also just... say didn't he also say something about Tony ringing the doorbell at home and running around back so Lois wouldn't know you came home yeah I think yeah I think he did <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh my god it's just, it was just sensational like I think it was just Tony was just saying a shout out to some woman who like he met who has nitro parties or thunder parties or something like that I missed the start of it but yeah to, uh, Brain just coming in and saying it's just his bug eyed cousin who steals tips oh my god um, Van Hammer getting the best of Kurt Hanger early on rolls out to plot a distraction with Rude which pays off as Henning capitalises state control to match at one point Hammer nearly scores a roll up uh, but Rude really haphazardly trying to break up the pin just kind of slaps him lightly on the forehead uh, Henning gets the headache like to win absolutely nothing of note in this match Lee trash absolute trash yeah and like and think about the curve or grade on on this show that, that this is still absolute trash speaking of trash main event time <laughs> it's DDP versus Stevie Ray and I started writing this without any knowledge of how long this goes Lee I wrote one of the things I hate about main events you know are going to have fuck finishes is when they start off like it's going to be 20 minutes long. Uh, I know, I, I know, Lee, that it's part of the thing, you know, the whole keeping up the pretense of wrestling is you're not supposed to signal that it will end in shenanigans. But, like, th- look at this segment. You have the pyro which they have before the main event every week. You have long entrances. The match starts with a long stare down. Lockups. It's giving you all the, the signals that this match is going ages. And I feel like there are ways you can do this without, like, baiting people so much. You know what I mean? Like, I feel oh, this they, could, really... they, they absolutely could, but they don't want to. Yeah. Now, bear in mind... <laughs> I don't want to see a 20-minute Stevie Ray match. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I feel robbed. But there certainly is a kind of... I think in their head, when they do these finishes, particularly in main events, because it happens all the time in Thunder main events. We've talked about it so many times in this show. Fuck finishes in the main event after a couple of minutes. I think in their head, they think, oh, we better tune into Nitro. We better tune into the pay-per-view so we can get a resolution here. But honestly, especially the more it happens, it's it's less of the feeling that like, wow, I can't wait to pay to see this. And more like, wow, why do I stay around to the main events on these shows what, every why, week? Yeah, why, why would I stay up till 10, 10 yeah. o'clock Eastern to watch this fucking three-minute main event? Yeah, like if this was 1998 and I didn't have to do these main events uh, to talk about them on a show, I, I would absolutely be turning off at the main event every week because I know maybe one in ten is going to have a, an actual finish. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. So... Do you know what um, I loved? Go on. Stevie Ray did a bear hug in this match. Yeah. A bear hug. And I actually I actually paused the show because I wanted to see how long was left. Just to <laughs> see, like, well, there must be, you know, a bit of time left. There was less than two minutes runtime on the show left. <laughs> Are he you did a lo- fucking rest hold with two yeah. minutes to go I even have that written in as like Stevie tends to wear page down with a bear hug ridiculous but like do you have the thing I have now where thanks to the greatest wrestler of all time Brian Danielson and his commentary appearances on Saturday Morning Slam that every time a bear hug is locked in somewhere in the deep recesses of your brain you hear the echo of it's a bear hug this match is over <laughs> <laughs> yes 
if anybody is unfamiliar with that reference, just go onto YouTube and look up Daniel Bryan and bears. And there is a whole running thing about him on commentary and wrestling bears. And it's one of those, it's on the playlist I've often talked about of wrestling videos on YouTube that just will Pop cheer up. me up if I'm yeah. in a bad mood. <laughs> you know, it's right up there with speaking of Daniel Bryan, the Daniel Bryan, Paul London promo uh, backstage at PWG. Uh, one of the all-time great promos in the history of the biz. Um, also on that playlist. Um, yeah, so we have a bear hug. Paige fires back, but Stevie catches him in what is a flapjack position. Page does the thing. It's such a bog standardly. Uh, you know, you know, you, you you've done a bit of uh, a, a bit of uh, you've been between the ropes more than I have. We'll say, uh, and you know how basic they you have somebody in the pile driver powerbomb position and they just post and flip you over and you take a back bump. Very basic, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't get that far. You get that? <laughs> That's actually the perfect I, answer. I didn't go to the power plant, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. That could be day one or the final day. But in my in my understanding of the biz, you know, from watching Tough Enough Season 1, <laughs> it's a very, like, after you're doing your, your flat backs and stuff like that, that this, this bump is a fairly, I like, if you were to clock how many times you see this bump on an average show, it's so basic. And yet Paige does it here to Stevie Ray and Stevie Ray nearly spikes himself on top of his head. I don't um, really care. I don't really care about the bump anymore. I just want you to rank the seasons of Tough Enough now. Uh, look, that's going behind the paywall, Lee. Uh, when we launch a Patreon. <laughs> the two of us reviewing every episode of Tough Enough. Jesus. Um, Paige... No. <laughs> Paige is all fired up now. Uh, it's a neck breaker. Vince, Vincent gets in the ring, eats a diamond not cutter. Fired up. <laughs> yeah, He's not fired. fucking fired up. <laughs> it's, it's, Nobody's fired up for this. <laughs> it's a relative concept, I guess. Uh, so here's the thing. So he hits the diamond cutter, and, and usually it's a thing where it's when the guy interfering hits you that the bell is rung, but Paige hits the cutter on uh, on Vincent and the bell is rung for a DQ. The referee, free, referee feels bad for everybody. Yeah, he's just like, let's put everybody out of their misery. Giant comes out. Paige tries to fight off both men but is overcome until Conan comes out to help Paige and, and Paige kind of gives him a hug and says, thank you for that. So there's a kind of, um, you go off the air. It's maybe the only beneficial thing in this match is that you go off the air with the kind of like the seed being planted that maybe there will be an understanding between... The Wolfpack and, and WCW going into war games. So that little seed, interesting. Not fucking worth it for all this. Could have done it a hundred different ways. <laughs> oh, this show was fucking awful. So Lee, I, I give you the... Well, firstly, what did you think about this show overall? Awful. Fucking awful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. There was ten matches and I fucking hated most of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I hated maybe eight and a half of them. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> honestly, I'm looking back through them all, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. like even Saturn Lodi was like, apart from the storyline progression, yeah, was a bad match. Yeah, I loved Jericho and Wright. I liked the first twenty seconds of Evan Courageous and Kaz Hayashi, and I liked about half of Silver King and Conan. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't disagree with you. Like, <laughs> 
you, my friend, to wrap up the show are left with the unenviable task of giving us your winners and losers for episode 29 of Thunder. Um. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, there's no winner on this show. Yeah. Maybe Alex Wright, as you said, like being elevated to a more serious like contender type role yeah or at least a less ridiculous type role yeah and honestly he's the only person that maybe comes out of the show better than they went in yeah i i wouldn't disagree with you he he is the the only guy who comes out of it in better shape like you have people like jericho who i don't think were tainted at all like he comes out about the same level you know maybe a conan as well coming out around the same level uh but most people here are either forgettable or worse off than they were before this show started, mm-hmm. which is a hell of a statement uh, to make. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with you. Our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga gives us 10 matches with surprisingly eight clean finishes, one DQ or countout, and one interference leading directly to a finish. Those really eight, finish, eight clean finishes. Yeah, yeah. Unless I've miscounted there just out of boredom. Um, but it would seem that way. Um, hey, look, that's going to do it for episode 29 of Thunder. Thanks for surviving it with us. Um, <laughs> uh, at WCW Thunderpod is where you need to go. That is our hub for all information to do with the show, uh, whether it be uh, kind of just having the conversations with during the week. Lee is in the process. He kind of puts up some... Uh, some interesting tweets about, you know, you know what did you think of this or that? Like, we had one about, the, was it the US title? Where we really put up a, pic, a, bit, a picture of the US who, title. Who do like, you associate with the US title? That kind of stuff, just to get a bit of conversation going. So, we like engagement from the Thunder Buddies on there. It's also the first place you'll hear about the show getting posted or, you know, teasers about what's going to be on the show this week. Lee putting up his post, uh, his, his post about Little Petey Pump. Um <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, that's where you need to go and you get the links out of there to, to go to the various platforms we're on. Please like, subscribe uh, and rate the podcast on whatever platform uh, you listen to podcasts on. And please do tell a friend. Uh, you know, we, we noticed the growth happening through the, uh, the word of mouth more than pretty much any active effort we put into advertising the show. So it's you Thunder Buddies that are really driving the success of this mm-hmm. show that we've been very proud of since the start. And it, it is through you Thunder buddies we must put our faith in helping us to continue that expansion uh going forward well we maybe, maybe not much. since the start <laughs> when, when no one was listening to us um instagram uh we're at wcw thunderpod on there so the beers of thunder will be returning to instagram this week in accordance with this show returning to the air uh we've also got our blog beyond the thunder road uh which is wcwthunderpod.wordpress.com something will be coming up there in the near future again the shitty circumstances of the last month have kind of put a hold on us putting up uh anything current yet. wrestling but we have a, a just freshly announced beyond wrestling show happening in two weeks so Ooh, okay. I, I, think, I didn't even know that yeah there, there's one i can't remember what it's called um but yeah they're doing an outdoor show i think in in two weeks right at the end of july uh, on iwtv so that because beyond is one of my promotions that i have missed since lockdown started and it was one i was going to talk about on the blog anyway so that might be my jumping on point to do a bit of written content we shall see uh, i was also thinking about doing some stuff around my, my match of the year catch-up project that i've been doing as i was telling lee off the air i think i watched about 40 matches in the last week and i still got like 10 or 12 to go now so 
uh, something will be forthcoming anyway uh, over there uh, but we, we thank you all very much for mm-hmm. the love and for the interaction that we get it does keep us going especially in the, in the dull weeks where there are some bad programs to watch I would also invite you all to subscribe to the PWOM podcast network where uh, it's not just us there's like some great content being bat out there recently and I, I feel like the volume of stuff going up on I'm after I'm after starting a, pro, a podcast there as I was scrolling through the list so that's uh, I, I will be taking royalties from the world cast there uh, <laughs> just for plugging them but no just to, just to get like in the last few days we have I'll tell you what our good friend of the show Jeffrey has just been a behemoth of content the last few weeks I don't um, know where he finds the time Jesus Mike, Christ Mike oh, but gee like I I, I do wonder yeah because he, he tells us when the shows are going up or the kinds of things he's doing shows on and I'm like God I, w- I wish I had the energy uh, uh, to, to get that shit done but yeah always check out obviously with the New Japan Cup stuff starting and the uh, one could say controversial events uh last weekend uh within new japan mm. uh the strong style story podcast uh hosted by jeff and chris is uh, an absolute essential to make sense of what's going on over there uh we obviously from uh jeff and chris as well we have the boom goes the dynamite keeping uh track of all things aew um which is kind of the only current wrestling product the two of us have been able to really stomach through lockdown um and of course, his busting balls podcast talking about football, which you know, given Liverpool won the Premier League, we don't really want to talk about all that much at the moment. But you know, um, yeah, football isn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, we're taking up cricket, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> anything else? But like that's a, you know that's only the tip of the iceberg. We got the World Cast, yours, mine, and the truth. Gideon guys, like it's you know you're getting a lot of bang for your buck there, Lee. Subscribing to the podcast network, you know, if if you want to just subscribe to Days of Thunder, we have our own RSS feed that is absolutely fine. But uh, do dip in and give our friends at the PWM Podcast Network uh, a listen because you might be pleasantly surprised by the things you will find. Anyway, individually, I'm at the day to Dave. Lee is at Malone underscore 713. We've been Days of Thunder. We'll see you in two weeks. It's the go-home show for War Games. We'll see you then. Let's break it in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside